previously on the Plus Dave podcast. I'm scared, but I'm always scared with Arsenal away just because... It's Arsenal away. Just because of the magnitude. Yeah, exactly. Dave, as the impartial outsider, how do you see that game going? What's going to happen when Spurs go to Arsenal? I feel like you guys need to chill out. (laughs) I think you're going to win this game. I don't see any reason why you're not going to win this game, to be honest. I mean... Don't say that. Maybe this is the purest form of trolling. Just say you're going to win this completely easily. I don't know why you're even worried about it. We were talking earlier about Tuchel versus Nuno. I mean, that's a level. Nuno versus Arteta is another level. (laughs) At least yours is actually a football manager. I just don't think you need to be as worried as maybe you are. (laughs) I honestly honestly think this is an incredibly good opportunity. I genuinely think this is a great opportunity for you guys. Arsenal are not good. And I can see at least two clear goals. Well, I guess he was right. Here's Deli Alley. Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they've done it! Hello, everybody, and welcome to a rather sombre episode of the Plus Day podcast this week, a Tottenham Hotspur themed show brought to you by an assortment of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. Dave, of course, as always, is here to provide us with a degree of impartiality and, of course, to troll us very hard, a task that I think has been made significantly easier this week following our performance at the Emirates. We are recording immediately after the game, pretty much, about an hour afterwards, so it's all very much fresh in our minds. So apologies in advance for some of the language that might be coming up. But Dave joins us again, as always. Dave, this must have been more or less what you've been waiting for all along. I've only got one word on my notes, and that's not because they were hastily structured after a, uh, a mad dash back from Leeds, but the word is apologise. Uh, And I think that's what I have to do after I said the things that I said uh, on our last episode, because I kind of stand by it, but I think it's helped make this appear to be an almost perfect trolling situation where I said, you're going to smash him, it's not a problem. For anyone who missed the last episode, what Dave is referring to is he basically said, yep, you'll easily put two or three past Arsenal. I think you guys are getting carried away. Dave minds the gap to us. We got mind the gaps by the non-Spurs fan in the group. He knew what he was doing. I'm looking forward to hearing his thoughts on this because if nothing else, we need him to back up why he thought this was going to be so different. But anyway, we will, of course, be dissecting that very disappointing performance in great detail. I think it's fair to say there is a lot to be said about that game. Of course, we'll be looking forward to the game next week, or I use the term looking forward uh, very loosely there. But we are going to be talking mostly about the North London derby today, the 3-1 defeat that we've just witnessed. Some of our followers on social media may have seen some tweets about a discussion in relation to an all-time Premier League combined North London derby team. We decided that it's probably the last thing a lot of us want to hear right now. So in the interest of avoiding sitting around talking about how great Thierry Henry and Patrick Vieira and Tony Adams were, we decided to cut that one due to circumstances beyond our control and what can only really be described as unforeseen ineptitude on the part of many of our players but as I mentioned we will be getting into that in a short while before we do just a quick thank you to everyone who's actually tuned in I'm sure uh, we probably have a slightly depleted listener base this week or maybe we just have a lot of Arsenal fans who knows but either way we'd love to hear from you so if you would like to get in touch and you have any thoughts on today's game or anything in general please get in touch with us on social media at plus day podcast on both twitter and instagram or you can email us at plus at gmail.com right to the game then. Before I go any further, actually, let me just welcome back some guests. I'm going to come to you first, Elio, because you've been the first name on the team sheet for a while. Just like you've been at Spurs, you've weathered the storm through highs and lows, and you're here again. I would ask you how you're feeling today, as I normally do, but I think that's a bit of a silly question, isn't it? The worst thing about how I'm feeling is that 
I didn't actually get angry or distraught or particularly upset while watching the match. I know in our WhatsApp group I remonstrate quite a bit, but the truth of the matter is I didn't thump the cushion or the sofa. I didn't really move for, for 90 minutes. I Even when we scored, I didn't either. I was um, apathetic, and that's because of the tone that the team set from the first minute. They came out and they just looked disinterested and it, it seeped into me as someone watching from his living room it was um it's unusual for me as you know but I was actually quite silent for 90 minutes and and that's not a feeling I like watching Spurs I must say I, I do find that relatively hard to believe particularly on the basis of our WhatsApp conversation Dave I'll come to you uh, you've obviously just witnessed a particularly exciting show and I don't mean the match because as you already mentioned you weren't able to watch it but I, of course, mean our WhatsApp conversation. How was that for you? What was that viewing like? I mean, I don't have to check the score. Let's put it that way. Because I can really tell what score it is by the reactions that you guys have on the group. It's, To be honest, it is the reason that I'm still in the group and that we've managed to you know, stay this long as a plus day of group because I do really enjoy it. When you all, but specifically Elio, goes quite loopy about some of the results that you have. I think there's an unending feeling of disappointment for me right now because particularly after what seemed to be trying to play with a bit of impetus in the last couple of games, particularly with picking more attacking lineups in the last couple of games, the League Cup and obviously the Chelsea game, and looking good for large parts of those games, I really felt if we'd gone in the same vein today, it would have been a really good day for us. I thought we seemed to set up to just soak and long ball. It was like turning the clock back to last season, watching Mourinho all over again. If you're going to play the defend and counter tactic, don't pick the players you picked. Pick the defensive players, at least. I mean, it felt like he picked chickens to play the role of wolves, basically. Pricey, you returned to us after a well-earned rest last week. Sum up how you're feeling at the moment. That's it. I'm, I'm the Jaffet Tanganga of podcasts. Um, yeah, look, I think Elio summed it up really well there. It's, it's just that feeling of, of frustration and, and disappointment, really. You know, first half against Chelsea, thought we played really well. Um, whereas, I guess, kind of first half today, we just lacked spine. We lacked energy. We lacked kind of want, desire. And and again, Elio's hit the nail on the head that we, we set up to play one way and then just completely went about approaching the game another way. And there's loads we can unpick from today and what went wrong. But, you know, particularly in the first 20 minutes when we're playing long balls over the top, towards Tomiyasu, who going into the game had won 90% of all aerial challenges. Um, mm. Just it was as though there was no thought process behind how we approached that and we suffered for it. And, and I think therefore as fans, we're, we're also still suffering. I think a big part of it also comes down to certain players, which I think from our conversation in the group, you agree with me as well, certain players that are just not doing what you expect of players of that quality. I'm, I feel like I'm doing it every week at the moment, but I'm going to hone in on Harry Kane. He doesn't even look like he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't actually look like a professional footballer. He looks he looks like today was the first time he'd ever set foot on a training pitch, never mind a football pitch. I mean, everything about his performance today was what's wrong. And when he's meant to be the leader of the outfield players, at least it just seeps through into everybody else. Tongi, who only puts in a half-assed effort at the best of time, sees that and thinks, well, he's not running. Why do I have to run? Delhi is, by the game, looking more and more an athlete who won a competition to get onto the pitch, basically. And 
it's almost a case of the fish rots from the head and Kane is the head and it's seeping back through him. I mean, we may not have been pretty without him in the side at the beginning of the season, but we were effective and we were organised and we were committed. And I almost feel as if he's kind of stunk the place out so badly that everyone else has caught the malaise. Joe, would you do your friend Dave a kind favour and uh, summarise the game for him? How would you sum up what you've just watched? Well, I mean, the energy levels were terrible. And that kind of follows on quite consistently from the second half against Chelsea, which we went into a lot of detail about last week. But when Smith Rowe got the opener to go 1-0 up, the fight was gone. Like, it was obvious we were going to lose this game. And it got worse and worse to watch. Like I said, I was struggling to figure out what the game plan was for Spurs, because Arsenal were just all over us in midfield. Tomiyasu was outstanding. Regulon kept trying to get forward. He was actually trying to bring some impetus, but he just wasn't able to beat Tomiyasu in any any contacts, any exchanges. And this went all the way through to the most basic stuff. Like, how many kicks did Lloris pass out that just went straight out for throw-ins or nearly went out for a throw-in? Son's deliveries from corners and free kicks were terrible. It was just going right through to the basics. Nothing was working. I'd push back on Son slightly. I think Son and Mora for all of their intent and drive forward were probably two of our best players on the pitch. And I, I thought Son deserved his goal. Absolutely agree with Regulon. And I think actually there was an interesting point that came up in our chat through the game. Is Regulon just a bit of a fraud, really? You know, we, we've kind of hailed him as this all singing, all dancing, attacking wing back. But actually, when was the last time we saw Regulon put in a performance that actually we stopped and went, do you know what, That that's world class or that's worthy of the team that he's come from to join us here at Spurs? We'll get on to talk about some of the positives in a moment, of course. But I think we mentioned it earlier, Eddie, you touched on Kane. You said he doesn't seem like himself. Pricey, you mentioned during the game, you said in the chat, you said Kane has created an ability to get himself in the most useless positions at all times. He's exactly where you don't need him to be. Elaborate on that, because I think Kane is someone that we all singled out as an issue today and for a lot of the season. 100%. And I think we could probably do a whole episode on on Kane alone. Um, For me, the third goal completely sums it up when I think Regulon received the ball out wide and he looked up to the middle and no one was there. I think Delhi was running into the box and no one was there. And then fast forward a couple of seconds and Kane's in the middle of the pitch well out of position but losing the ball he's then running back and is is absolutely at fault for that goal but then that was just a theme throughout the whole match that actually whenever you kind of looked up and you wanted Kane running through that channel and we, we all know in his new game he kind of drops deep but it's almost as though he's now kind of forgotten how his positioning works across the pitch and wherever you wanted Kane he wasn't and then wherever you didn't want him he he was there and, and again it was his tackle which kind of then okay Saka got a bit fortunate but you probably don't want him sliding in in the area and it, it's that kind of cannon off his shin that's given Saka the opportunity to put it in and put the game to bed before half time. I'll say it outright. I think Kane is a coward at the moment. I think he's an absolute coward because he knows he's going to get picked because he's the one striker we have, essentially. And he's not getting up close and personal with centre-backs, allowing them to rough him up, allowing them to actually play with him. He's not actually doing any of the stuff that made him as a player to actually get into position to score goals. I remember when we batted Liverpool 4-1 quite a while ago now, he absolutely murdered Lovren single 
single-handedly that day. All right, I know Lovren's not exactly prime Baresi, but he ragdolled him the entire match. That's the cane that we need. That's the cane what we want. We don't need this guy sort of dropping 40 yards away from where he's needed. It's almost as if he just wants to jog around and keep himself fit for England the way he's playing because he's not getting near centre-backs. He's not getting into any position where he might actually have to sprint and put his hamstrings under strain. He's just kind of ambling about and the only shots he's taken have been from about 30 yards. Is it not a case that Kane is potentially an obvious target? Is it not a case that, from me looking at this from a non-Spurs fan perspective, this feels similar to the goal-scoring drought that seemed to happen at the start of the Euros? It feels the same. I watched those games, obviously supporting Kane more than I support Kane now, and I was thinking very similar things to the things that you're saying now. Is the problem... Don't shoot me for this, but is the problem not the fact that you haven't got another option on the bench? The problem is that it's Kane or bust, and therefore, at the moment, you guys are busting. That has been the problem for quite a few years because we've either brought in backups who weren't really good enough to take Kane out of anything other than sort of games against minnows in Europe. So yeah, that's been an issue for for a long time with us. But it's not just a case of him looking a bit sluggish at the moment. Before, he looked sluggish, but he was still trying to get involved. He was still trying to find his touch. And you almost put up with those sort of three, four matches where he looks more sort of Gregor Raziak than Alan Shearer because he was working his way back in and we'd seen it all before there's not even a token attempt from him I mean the same way I said that I was apathetic watching it he's apathetic on the field and this is a guy who considers himself to be worthy of going to Manchester City arguably the best team in the world at the moment this is a guy who says he said this no one put these words in his mouth he says I want to be like Ronaldo and Messi we all saw on Amazon him talking to Mourinho in his first meeting with Mourinho I want to be like Ronaldo and Messi and If you think you're that good, then you need to play the way those guys play and lift an underperforming team. That is what great players do. They lift the team when the team needs to be lifted. He should be improving everyone around him and he should be dragging us forward, not just accepting it and putting an Instagram post afterwards saying, we go again or whatever crap it is he comes out with each time. Yeah, he certainly uh, doesn't look like a player who's up for it. An interesting stat is that he had five touches, not just in the box, in total for the last 25 minutes of that match. Pricey, I want to come to you on Kane because they were talking about it after the match. Ledley King and Graham Sooners were discussing the issue about Kane and whether it just comes down to a case of him not playing in the right position. Obviously, we touched on his mentality. We touched on his willpower. Do you think there's an issue with Kane either himself or being told to playing in the wrong position and how do you think we fix that problem is it fixable do we drop him what's the answer to Kane yeah I'll work backwards from that in the sense that I I think we're at a point where we now can't be afraid of dropping Kane ultimately he's not invincible and potentially that is the answer you know you raised a good stat there that in the last 25 minutes of the game at a point when actually when we got a goal back we need to be kind of putting everything forward you know he's had five touches in the first 20 minutes of the game he had two touches if you look at the last two keepers that Kane has faced Kepper and Ramsdale you're kind of saying right I I want some of that I'm going to test these guys because these guys are not great keepers but again to that point in terms of his positioning he's not getting himself into a position where he's able to effectively affect the game in terms of creating those chances and maybe it is because he's dropping far too deep and actually he needs to go back to being a proper center forward and playing much higher up the pitch but at the same time if he's not in form we can't be afraid as a team just try something a bit different 
I hate to say it again, but <laughs> are we making Kane as an obvious target? And I'm backing up this time by saying that Spurs have had the second least amount of shots in the Premier League this season. And the least and the third least have played a game less. So there's every chance, but by the end of the game tomorrow with between Palace and Brighton, they'll be bottom. That's not just Kane not taking enough shots. That's Spurs not taking enough shots. That's fair, but if you do get the ball out wide, which we do a fair bit, almost all our build-up players down the flanks, and this isn't a defence of the tactics, which were all over the shop today, and we're going to get to that a bit as well, but listen, Kane deserves what he's getting because we're, we're six games into the season and he's barely farted towards goal. But we get the balls to the flank a hell of a lot. That's where we're playing. And apart from that one counter against Chelsea that I spoke about last week with Regulon when he muffed it up, what do you do if there's no one to actually put the ball into? What do you do? I mean, okay, you could say, well, maybe Son and Lucas should also be getting in. Kane's the number nine. He's the six foot three centre forward. He's the bruiser. But if he's not in the box, who are you crossing to? Just their goalkeeper. And creative players and wide players and we're not creative I accept that I I believe that and worse teams with worse players are creating more than us and and that says everything but we have got enough to get the ball into the area worse teams doing more than us is an indictment of Nuno but the fact of the matter is since the beginning of time creative players have been made to look bad by strikers who didn't run strikers who didn't make themselves available strikers who just wanted to play with their back to goal on the edge of the area and the one thing Kane almost did do today was win a penalty but that was by virtue of having his back to goal why has he got his back to goal every single time that that's not how we're playing at the moment we need him to be attacking something in space not dropping deep when we need to throw the ball in front of him I feel like we could quite easily make this whole thing about Harry Kane. And to be fair, that wouldn't really be right given how many other players dropped the ball today. I think he's obviously the player we look to to pick us up and he's our talisman. He's supposed to be the one that wins those big games for us. But it's not fair to focus entirely on him, as Dave suggested. So I want to get on some of our other players because there are plenty more that need scrutinising. And Joe, I want to ask you, from watching that game, aside from Kane, which players stand out particularly for criticism? Who disappointed you the most today apart from Harry Kane? I think Elio brought this name up a little bit earlier, but Deli Ali just non-existent. I don't know what he was trying to do. I don't know what his position really was today. But uh, yeah, he is absolutely right to get taken off uh, at half-time. Tanganga, again, I've really liked him at the start of the season, but with a few players, it feels like his performances are slowly degrading with each week that happens for some reason. So I think the changes that were made at half-time definitely helps. But of course, when you're 3-0 down, you can't really give a team credit for improving because, of course, it takes all the pressure off because the game's basically over. Mm. The only players that I really forgot anything positive to say anything about is, I think Lucas was, was great. I think his attitude was really good. He made some good runs. Hoybier, I can never really fault. I think he doesn't seem to drop his level even when we're doing really badly. And I've got to get my usual Oliver Skip compliment in. Again, I, I really liked him when he came on. I think he did shore things up a little bit. Aside from that, I don't have anything positive to say about anyone else in the team. Two players that probably need singling out as having particularly bad games today are our centre-back pairing of Sanchez and, and Dyer. They were arguably at fault, was at 100% at fault for the first goal, completely switched off. And if we're playing a slightly more aggressive formation where we're going to play 
Ndombele and Delhi in slightly more advanced roles and then you're relying on that pivot of Hoiberg, you need a centre-back pairing that are going to be completely resolute. And what we gained in that second half with Skip coming on was that, I guess, kind of central spine that gave us a much stronger core and actually also enabled them to then cover when Dyer and Sanchez were flat-footed, which they were all game. Sanchez in particular was at fault for one of the goals, certainly. He was caught staring at the ball, didn't see the guy running in behind him. But one player that I'm surprised we haven't actually talked about yet that I think we all agreed during the game let the side down, not for the first time, was Tongi Ndombele. Again, looked tired, didn't seem like he was really up for the fight. What did we make of him today? I don't know what's wrong with the guy. <laughs> um, he's come in with all this fanfare he, he he obviously knows he's talented when you look at some of the things he tries to do in a match and it's not as if he lacks on the physical side he, he definitely doesn't look like a weakling so I don't know what it is that stops him affecting a game for more than three minutes at a time I mean yeah you may say he's not fit enough but how unfit can a guy be to even make it onto the pitch in the first place because we've got all our sports scientists we've got training sessions we've got all this analysis going on all the time I don't think if he was actually unfit he'd be getting onto the pitch in the first place I mean Nuno's not got a reputation as a manager who who tolerates guys who who can't run so all I can think is same as I was saying about Kane basically he just doesn't fancy it between the ears it's just not there he's between the ears or underneath his lungs like he doesn't want to perform. He doesn't want to do anything that's difficult. He doesn't want to do anything that actually causes him to strain. And listen, Kane over the years has done more than enough to suggest that we know he can do the difficult stuff to make things happen out of nowhere. Tongi just seems like he's got his big payday at a young age. He's got his big transfer. He, he's living in London. He's playing for a big club. He, he's earning 10 million a year, I think it is, which makes him our next highest earner after Kane. And, and in his mind, he almost doesn't give a damn whether he even plays or not, or if he does, how well he does. He just wants to get through, go home, count his money. The guy does not look like he cares about playing professional football in the slightest. Yeah, Elio, but what do you think of Ndombele for the sort of 15 minutes or so he played in the second half? Because I thought he looked a lot better in, in the second half. I mean, the team did generally, because probably because they were so awful in the first half. But he was playing a bit further forwards and he had to skip behind him. Do you think that that's potentially, and Dags, don't think that I'm jumping on the Nuno out bandwagon for a second, but is this potentially <laughs> Nuno's fault a little bit for not playing Ndombele in his best position at the start of these games? Well, Ndombele was never a number 10 ever in his career until Mourinho puts him there for the first half of last season, essentially, with Sissoko and Hoybier sort of babysitting him. I mean, we bought him as a central midfielder who could get the ball deep, break the press, bring him forward. Pochettino saw him as our new Dembele, essentially. Pochettino has a famous quote. I'm going to be paraphrasing here, but he said, if only I'd got Dembele when he was 22 years old instead of 28 or whatever it was when he got his hands on him. That was meant to be Ndombele. And it's all well and good saying Ndombele's best position is number 10. Sorry, the guy hasn't got the goals and assists in his career to justify putting him in the final third. In this league, if you're going to play in central midfield, whether you're in a two or a three, no matter how talented you are, you have to be able to run. And there's no reason why he shouldn't be. He, he doesn't look overweight or anything. He doesn't actually look like he's blowing to me. He just looks like he doesn't want to. De Bruyne, by far the most talented midfielder in the league for the past five years, the guy does not stop running. And we're not talking about a bruiser in De Bruyne. We're talking about quite a lightweight player, but he is 
constant, constant, constant. Modric was constant. David Silva was constant. Th these are guys that earned the right to play good football. And Dombo doesn't want to do that. If it's difficult, he loses interest. And you could say accommodate him by putting him as a number 10. Sorry, mate, you're not good enough to get the free roll. You're not David Ginola. You're not Zidane. You're not Rivaldo. You're a guy who showed up to his first training session at his new club, unfit, out of shape, and about a stone overweight, and never got back into the rhythm of things, and sulked the second manager started being harsh to you it's no one else's fault but Tongi's but he doesn't care because at the end of the day while we're paying 1500 pounds a year each for our season tickets he's making that in a few minutes of lazing around and thinking he's a bloody Rolls Royce on the pitch Elio, first of all, I want to say I'm absolutely loving this energy and this is precisely what I wanted out of you when we started this podcast. Secondly, I'm glad you make those points because you're talking about the lack of running, you're talking about the likes of De Bruyne and players like that that absolutely peg it up and down the pitch. One statistic that's been brought to my attention by one of our listeners, Billy Smith, which is quite interesting, and I think this was probably the case as of the beginning of the game, but I can't imagine it would have changed very much after that game. We all knew that we were bottom or close to bottom in the metrics for shots on goal. We knew that we were very, very low on XG, bottom in fact. One statistic that is news to me, but not surprising, is that we were actually bottom of the table in terms of distance covered. Yeah, I saw that during the game. And all of those are the complete reverse of peak Pochettino years, which considering some of the players are the same players, especially Son, Kane, Dyer goalie obviously though not that he does much running or creating but that's absolutely alarming and and Domble almost epitomizes that I mean who do you think our most creative player of the past decade was creative not not fabulous Ericsson not Ericsson yeah what yeah. does anyone else here disagree with Ericsson okay Nobody ran more in a game for us than Ericsson every time mm. he played. And that's not me just eulogising about him. That is statistical. He covered more distance than anybody else on the pitch. And he was making and scoring 10 goals and 10 assists every season. So, or 15 and 5 or whatever. He, he was getting sort of 20 combined at least a season. So, until he lost interest, obviously. But he lost interest after five good years service. And Dombele lost it after five minutes. And that's exactly the point that Billy makes, actually, in, in his message. He goes on to say that we were top, if not close to top, under Pochettino. And obviously, that's alarming in itself. Dave, I want to get your opinion on this, because obviously, you watch Leeds United, who are pretty much the opposite. I mean, if there's one thing we can say about Leeds is they don't stop running. And Bielsa's obviously got the best out of them in that sense. They definitely fight for the match, even if the, the results don't always come out the way you'd like to. But having watched a few Spurs games now, is this something that you'd noticed? And how do you think we go about fixing that? I mean, that's a very... That's a very tricky one to answer. Yes, it's true. The Leeds team run a lot. I mean, we're, we're coming off the back of a home defeat to West Ham at the moment, so I'm not going to be overly <laughs> positive about them. But I would say this. Since Bielsa started at Leeds, I've never watched a Leeds game in the Championship or the Premiership and thinking they didn't put the effort in. It is the bare minimum requirement. And quite frankly, if you didn't put the effort in, in a Leeds game, in a Leeds shirt now, you would be relegated, not even to the 23s, you'd be absolutely ostracised. So there is quite a stark difference in that sense. I think the Ndombele thing is really weird because he's clearly a talented guy. And I understand your frustration, Elliot, but I just can't believe that someone's just lazy. I just can't believe it. It just doesn't, it doesn't compute to me that he could be. Because the amount of effort he would have to put in for his entire career to mm. get where he was, to get the big money move, to just have a complete mentality shift and just go, oh, that's it now, I can start eating KFC. I just don't believe it. But the problem is, Elliot, I don't have an alternative right now because that is what we're watching. It's what we're seeing. 
and and that's really it's quite concerning in that front and you know there could be an element that it's uh, it's rubbed off from from other senior members of the team not mentioning any names that are not putting as much effort maybe as they should be in and then that is obviously then rubbing off on everybody else or it could be could be a negative thing with the manager you know like we're not the only people that saw that he was you know not even fifth choice not even a choice and you know that could be that could be rubbing off on the players you know they could be thinking well this is obviously a stop gap let's wait for this to be over and then uh, and then hopefully they'll they'll sort themselves out get a proper manager in and then we'll start playing again it, it could be that and you know there are weirder things and players going on strike for those reasons so and actually signed for us as someone who had already almost thrown his career away once when he was a kid when he was 16 17 18 something like that with uh Amien. i just had to look up the team i knew it began with a i was thinking angers it was Amien, and essentially he before he went to leon he he was almost completely sort of out the door he might have actually been out the door because I don't think he ever kicked a professional ball for them because he always showed up out of shape he didn't train properly had a bad attitude etc now he was so spectacular for Lyon and we all remember those magnificent performances against Manchester City in the Champions League that to all intents and purposes it was quite a coup when we got to him we, we thought wow we've got the rising star of European football here 22 years old and single-handedly destroying Pep Guardiola's Manchester City midfield in the Champions mm. League what's not to love but maybe that's the reason why it's us that got him and not Barcelona and not Real Madrid, not Manchester United, not Manchester City themselves. I mean, I tell you what, you look at our midfield today and you think, OK, on paper, there's a lot of skill sets that complement each other, etc., etc. But when you actually break it down, you've got Delhi, who's a lot of huff and puff. But right now, and I say this as having praised his first few games of the season and adaption to the new role, a lot of huff and puff and no actual effect in either direction not really defensively not really going forward you got Hoybier who's a good all-rounder but the problem is when you have a good all-rounder you need to put him with another good all-rounder because he's not exceptional enough at anything to really have an impact on the match it's okay if the other two were sort of Roy Keane and Paul Scholes but they're not so he ends up sort of being our best midfielder when he's okay at everything but not really exceptional at anything and then you've got Ndombele who's got more talent than almost any other midfielder in the league just kind of meandering about I mean it's unacceptable and I think they almost feed off each other in that respect as well, because then you end up with Hoybier, who's meant to be the, the workhorse, the hard worker. Watch our first goal again. He's just jogging, jogging, jogging into the area very slowly. He should be sprinting. I think um, Sunas, who I don't particularly like as a pundit, but knew one or two things about being a hardworking midfielder, he pointed out on Sky earlier that Lucas actually managed to, from 30 yards further forward than Hoybier, bypass him to try and get into the box to stop that goal. Why is the defensive midfielder, why is the guy that's meant to protect our defence just barely breaking into a sprint in the eighth minute of the game to stop a cross that goes to an unmarked Emil Smith row? I mean, you can look at Ndombele and Regulon make life too easy for Saka. You can maybe look at the goalkeeper for letting, again, a relatively soft shot go past him. But the defence is meant to be protected by the midfield. The midfield did nothing to protect it. And I've got a bit of egg on my face about this, actually, because Pricey and I in, in our group the other day were disagreeing over the midfield. And I was saying, we need the same midfield that played against Chelsea so we can take it to Arsenal. If they had, I think it would be Pricey saying the reverse to me right now. But <laughs> they didn't. They just sort of sat around scratching their backsides, admiring Arsenal walk through us. 
I mean, yeah. this is Arsenal. This isn't Manchester City. This isn't Chelsea. This isn't PSG. This is a side that barely scraped past Norwich and Burnley. Burnley were the better team and Arsenal managed to beat them somehow. And we made them look like 1970 Brazil. Yeah, I think as we were talking about Kane and, and not blaming him solely for the lack of shots, I think with, with Anombele, there's a lot more to it. And he's certainly maybe the worst offender, but he's not the only one when it comes to not really putting in a shift. There's a quote from N'Golo Kante that I like, and I don't have it to hand if I'm honest, but it's something along the lines of, we're doing what millions of people around the world would love to do, and we're getting paid way too much money to do it. That's why I leave absolutely everything on the pitch. And when you watch N'Golo Kante play, you, you believe that he backs that up. He appreciates and, it. And a few people today have mentioned the lack of a fight in our team and they touched on it again in the Sky Sports studio. I was watching our team today and I didn't see I didn't see anybody shouting at each other. I didn't see any player who looked like they really wanted to win on our team. I mean, Lucas and Skip, when he came on, had a little bit of desire about them. But if you didn't know football and you didn't know who these two teams were, there is no way you'd be watching that thinking that Spurs were playing their biggest rivals. And that's the thing that disappointed me the most. Joe, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, what's also funny about you pointing out Lucas and Skip, who I agree, did actually put in a good shift today, is um, they're the two guys that are not guaranteed a starting place at the moment. So they're actually having to fight quite hard to get into the good team point. right now. And it's interesting the effect that <laughs> that's forcing them to play well. You know, going back to the Kane thing, maybe dropping Kane, you know, might give him a bit of a kick that he needs. Just another another player that came off the bench that actually showed a bit of fight, a bit of hunger, a bit of desire uh, was Hill. Uh, mm. And I, I, I thought mm. he played very well for the last 15, 15 or so minutes that he was on the field. Um, and that's what you want. It's a North London derby. You want players to come out and leave their all on the pitch because it's our biggest game of the season. Ellie, I know you've been a big fan of, of Hill in general, and we talked about him quite a lot. But first of all, what did you make of his cameo today? And secondly, do you still think that he should be playing out on that wing or do you see him more as a central player? I don't care where he plays. I want to see him. He's an actual footballer. <laughs> he he wants the ball. He wants to take responsibility. And he's got that bravery that only a 20-year-old winger really ever does have as well, which is great. But whether you put him on the left, whether you put him down the middle, I'd personally like to see him down the middle. Uh, but if we drop Kane, put him on the left and Son down the middle, fine. But I just want to see him on the pitch. And him and Skip came on and probably finished the match with 60 combined minutes between them. Probably finished the match as our two best players today. And... That's not just an indictment on everyone else. It's an indictment of, on the manager because against Wolves in midweek, Hill and Skip were our two best players by far. And that's something that I think everybody saw. And this was playing with usual first team players as well. This was playing with Delhi in the side, playing with Kane in the side, playing with Emerson, I think, uh, played as well. Didn't he? This was playing with a strong side and they stood out as our two best players. Skip on the defensive side and Hill on the attacking side. So why on earth has Nuno not just benched one, but both of them for today and only given them the, the game when it's actually lost already? It's ridiculous. And I think there's a few really questionable Nuno decisions in that. And uh, once again, I, I'm just going for everybody today, which I really didn't want to do. If there's ever a time to do they've it. Made, they've made it quite easy for me. Like, yeah. you've got two boys like that. It's meant to be a meritocracy. If Delhi is playing badly or Lucas is only half fit, Lucas played well today, but he's straight back from injury, or Kane is not pulling up any trees, play Hill. He actually deserves it. Doesn't matter that he's 20. Doesn't matter that he doesn't speak the language. Same with Skip. He deserved it far more than any of Hoybier and Dombele or Delhi today. He was so good against Wolves midweek. Play him. And on the flip side, 
We've just lost three matches in a row, conceding three goals every single time. And every single time, I think it's fair to say that we were shocked at our defending for the majority of the goals we conceded. All right, I hate being the guy that says every goal is a result of bad defending. There are good goals in football, but we have conceded Mm. some truly shocking goals the last three fixtures. There's one player that's been a constant in that. We've had three centre-back pairings. All right, Palace, we can write off a bit because it was Dyer and Tanganga, and then Tanganga got sent off, Dyer got injured, and we ended up with Davies Road on. But still, Dyer played that game. Dyer played against Chelsea. Dyer played against Arsenal. I know he got nominated for Player of the Month uh, after the first month, but Dyer has been a constant in shipping goals every single time. And it feels like a bit of return to normal. I know it's a, he's a bit of an easy scapegoat. And listen, I love Eric Dyer. He's very passionate. He fights for the club. Mm. I loved it when he went into the stands to confront that guy that was pushing his brother around or whatever it was. The guy epitomizes mentality-wise what I do like to see. But our defense leaks goals with him in it. There is no two ways about it. He is a constant. And the first half against Chelsea, he looked pretty good with Romero. And you're thinking, okay, could be on to something here. But he's changed the defence again today, throwing Sanchez in there, who himself is a bit of a hit-and-miss player, but started the season well. Sanchez and Romero don't look like a good match from midweek. They're both the dog in the cat-and-dog situation. They both like to chase the ball instead of sit back and watch it come in. So I understand why Dyer's playing with one of them. But why is he getting life after life after life? We, we conceded two against Wren with him in... Was he in the team? I, I don't even remember to tell you the truth. Like, that's how angry <laughs> I am. But we definitely conceded two against Wolves. Like... We've got players that are consistently letting the team down and they're getting more and more lives. Delhi fits that. And Dombella, who we've already uh, discussed that. Reguilon, who we've not even touched on yet and is beginning to look like we've been sold a putt by Madrid. He's letting us down constantly now as well. I think he was actually responsible for making our goal in the end today. Can't remember the last time that happened. Maybe Bale's last season. Or maybe there's a Kane one somewhere in there as well. But... Where's this bright young left back we signed from Madrid? Like, There's so many players to point the finger at. I don't have enough time or enough breath for it. <laughs> anyway, I, I always know that you're getting stressed when you start to forget things relating to Spurs because normally your memory is immaculate. It's interesting that you highlighted Brian Hill and I know we also picked out Skip as somebody that we were impressed with today. And I guess the commonality there is that they're both quite young players coming through. And you look at Arsenal today and you look at the likes of Saka and Smith Rowe and, and these young so-called fearless players running the game, not being overwhelmed by the occasion and just trying things and going for it. Potentially, is there an argument to say that we just need to bring in some youth players and maybe give someone like Dane Scarlett a go or just actually bring in some of our younger players, if nothing else, just to make a point to the older guys that they're not untouchable. What do we make of that? That's what works with Pochettino, Mason, mm. Kane. They basically saved his job. I was there when Mason scored that long shot against Nottingham Forest that basically went from him having no career at Spurs to being our first choice central midfielder for the next couple of years. Harry Kane the same. Kane was coming off the bench bit by bit, scored his hat-trick in Europe and then let one in as a goalkeeper in the same game. Came on against Villa, scored that free kick, rest is history. Pochettino was saved by youth players. Maybe it's time to try and repeat history. It feels very unfair to try and pin our hopes on a few kids. It really does. And in a situation that's actually quite quickly becoming toxic, which which is a shame because Nuno is a really dignified, really personable, really sort of... He's likeable. Um, he, he, yeah, and I do actually think there's a method behind the madness with him as well. I don't think he's a bad manager, but... I am beginning to think that he's the wrong manager for these players. Not even for this club. I'm not the sort of fan that goes, we're above having the guy that's finished 13th with Wolves or whatever. That, that's stupid. Every every manager should be judged by what he does for you. But when you look at what he's trying to do and you look at the players we have, 
maybe it's wrong, but maybe he should, like you say, trust the kids, see what someone like Hill and Skip can actually do for him. See what Dane... Oh, listen, Dane Scarlet, I think he's only just turned 18, I think. Mm. I mean... And he doesn't look like a man. He doesn't look like he's ready to start attacking football. <laughs> Neither does Saka, to be fair. Yeah, but Saka it has that lightning pace, which which will always help a player mm. at that part of his career. Scarlett, I don't quite know what he is yet. Uh, I think he's a good player. I don't quite know what kind of good player he's going to be. And I don't want him to have the pressure of being the next Spurs young gun to succeed Harry Kane, one of our own, to be the new one of our own. It, it's a lot of pressure to put on the yep. kids, and and that's almost how you ruin careers before they start sometimes. But there's got to be better than this. Yeah, hopefully he could be the Harry Kane to Harry Kane's Roberto Soldado, but who knows? <laughs> Only time will tell. Uh, Price, you have something to add? Yeah, I, I think if you're Nuno, you've got the opportunity to take a risk now, because in in a sense, you've got nothing to lose. Go for break. Um, that's it, 100%. You know, of course, you. well, I was about to say you're not going to get fired for playing a front three of Morrison and Kane, but actually that's probably the one thing that will get you fired if mm. you play those three and don't get a result out of it. So why not? Why don't we give some of the younger kind of up-and-coming players? We, we've got an amazing youth system and we've got some brilliant players coming through that. We've made some exciting signings over the last two years. I know that we've not really kind of spoken too much about Jack Clark and players that are on the fringes. on as well. Re- yeah, exactly. exactly. Give these guys a go. I mean, it can't be any worse than watching Endombele prance around pretending to be a footballer and then holding his ankle for five minutes the second someone sniffs at him. Yeah, I mean, you've seen it with plenty of other teams and there's an argument to say with Frank Lampard, for example, okay, it didn't end brilliantly, but he probably had a lot more patience from the board because he was taking that chance and it was something that was seen to maybe give him a bit more leeway to experiment, even though he was obviously forced into it. But maybe that could potentially be the only option. Dave, can you win anything with kids? Yes, you can. <laughs> um, On what conditions? Where's Jack Clark? Mm, you tell us. <laughs> he's um oh, we, he's we just cashed in, mate. We we, we, we cashed in and, and run for it. Oh yeah. You, you you basically saved us from having to having to actually sell one of our first team players when you guys decided to spunk ten million quid on him. Well, look, we talked about a couple of young players and potentially multiple options that we could look at, but certainly there is some hope in the likes of Hill and Skip and potentially some of the more fringe players. I want to talk about the positives that we can take. I know it's difficult with a game like this, especially against Arsenal, but I think we did slightly improve in the second half, albeit largely down to the fact that Arsenal probably took their foot off the gas a little bit and it's always easier to look good against a team that are already 3-0 up and, and relaxing. But Joe... From watching that, are there any positives we can take forward into next week? Is there anything that you can look at and say, well, at least this? Yeah, I mean, we kind of started touching on the positives a bit earlier. I think the substitutions we made were good and Skip had a good impact. I think he surely has to start the next game now. You feel like we need to bring that robustness back into the team. I think I really like the fight that we saw from uh, from Brian Hill. And I think, again, as he gets more minutes, he'll be able to play more. One thing I was going to throw out here, and it's more of an excuse than than focusing in on positives, but are we still feeling the effects of everything that went wrong during the international break a couple of weeks ago? Or do you think we've moved beyond that now? Is that is that clutching at straws? I think he's had a good week and a half now with almost all of our first-team squad, barring Bergwijn, Sessegnon and Lucas, who was back today. So, so I, mm. I don't really think you can lean on that. And all right, against Palace, you can say... 
absolute disaster against Chelsea. You can say, well, still feeling the effects of that to an extent, like uh, Lacelso and Romero played on off the back of a day's training, basically, with the, with the rest of the squads. But today he's had all week, he's had a game in midweek as well to get his ideas further impressed upon the players. And if his game plan was to do the same today that he tried to do midweek and tried to do against Chelsea last week, then the players have a lot of answering to do because that was not what we saw on display from the same players that did implement it pretty well in those previous two games. But if his game plan was to do what we saw, having seen something semi-effective in the past two games, he had something to build on and he didn't build on it. So so no, I can't really give him the excuse of our season's been sabotaged because a week is a long time in football. We're over a week past all of that, in my opinion. I think we have to give Arsenal credit as well. I know it's hard, but we have to look at that team, especially in the first half. They did play very, very well and they, the crowd seemed really up for it. And we all know what an effect that can have, particularly now we're coming back for the first time with, with full crowds and full stadiums. It's the first London derby post-COVID and it, it, it certainly felt like there was a lot of energy and they fed off that. So there's only so many games in a row we can say, yeah, the other team were really good because obviously that only lasts so long. But there's definitely something in that, I would say. Pricey, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Next week, playing Villa, next game, obviously you'd like to think a slightly easier opponent than maybe our last two, on paper at least. Where do we go from here? If you're Nuno, what do you say to the players? How do you approach this? What team do you play? What's the next step from here? I have to say I'm actually worried about that Villa game. For... We we should be. They're same as Arsenal. They're they're on the bank. They started the season poorly, but they've now bounced back. They've just beaten you know United at Old Trafford one 0 They're going to go into that game with all sorts of confidence and think they can win that. How do we, I guess, come back from that? You know, I think it's a combination of all of the things we've just discussed about potentially kind of giving you know, some of the fringe players a chance to kind of come and improve themselves. To bring it back to Arsenal, though, one of the things they did really well today was they embedded some of their summer signings who just played really well. Like White had a very good game at centre-half. We talked about Tommy Asu earlier. They've kind of brought those players in and they're trusting in them. And I just don't feel at the moment that Nuno trusts in his squad. I don't think he knows who his best 11 is. But look, the good thing before we go into Villa is we've got a midweek game in Europe against opposition that we should be beating quite comfortably. So Let's use that as a confidence booster and let's um, let's kind of try and get a result there first, which will take us into Villa and, and hopefully we can kind of get the confidence back off the, um, the back of that because we've, we've got the, the talent to do it. Yeah, just to expand on your point, Pricey, Nuno does seem to be struggling to figure out what his preferred team and shape and everything is. One positive we can probably go with is it's another week of training, another week of him having time with the players and maybe one small thing we can cling to is more time means things slowly get together and go the right direction I feel when I see someone like Tuchel coming to Chelsea mid-season last season all right Chelsea have a great collection of players ours aren't exactly too shabby I still feel we've got a better collection of players than Arsenal for instance Tuchel goes into Chelsea mid-season no pre-season at all and transforms their entire game almost overnight so how long do we say he needs another week he needs training he needs to get his ideas across I mean Football's a simple game, and it's often the managers who do worse are the ones that try to overcomplicate it. Um, I mean, best example of that was probably Glenn Hoddle with us all, all those years ago. And I want to give Nuno time, but when you can't get the sides up enough to perform well enough in a game like today's, it's a really, really big red flag. Even if you lose, you don't lose like that, which I think Neville said at half time as well. I mean, 
I am quite concerned at this point that Nuno is very out of his depth in trying to work with players like this to get them to play the way they should be playing. Um, Whether it's a case of he's not a big enough name for them to respect, which would be horrible, but let's be grown-ups here. This is the real world. That That's a real possibility. Or whether it's a case that he is just tactically, diametrically opposed to what works for this collection of players. I don't know, but right now something stinks. The last three results in a row are a huge red flag. And I'm not even going to blame him for that. I think this comes to a point which might surprise anyone who knows me particularly well and my views on our boards. But this comes back to our boards, like Dave alluded to earlier, getting our 75th choice manager this summer and um, making such a hash of that manager search, not refreshing the squad properly and consistently over a multitude of years before the last couple of summers, throwing a lot at the squad, but keeping a lot of dead wood around. Maybe we were too stubborn for Kane. Maybe we should have cut our losses and thought, okay, he's 150 million. Listen, I'm a fan. I'm glad we stood up to Manchester City, but... I'm not the one running the club. Maybe Levy should have had a bit less hubris about it and thought, you know what, if they're offering 100 million and we can get one striker that wants to play for us and a good midfielder for that money, that's the team improved. I think everything we're witnessing at the moment, this really imbalanced squad, this manager that doesn't seem to fit in with the players, this inconsistency in the football and the general sort of discontent and ambivalence both amongst the fan base and the players at the club I think that's just all a symptom of the boards having consistently got it wrong for quite a few years in a row having been brilliant in my opinion up until that point I mean maybe they got lucky maybe they struck goals or maybe it was by design that we got Pochettino he was the manager that finally because they always wanted to develop youth our boards he finally did and it got us almost league winners almost Champions League winners not quite but it almost got there so They had something to build on, and instead of building it, they seemed to have burnt the house down and started from scratch in the most random possible way. And the result of that is now we probably actually do need to burn the house down and rebuild in a less random way, hopefully. Joe, a lot of points there. What were were your thoughts? Yeah, I I thought your question, Dax, was what positives could we look for next week? Um, That that didn't sound like positives. No, it was completely (laughs) none minor Price's attempts to look for them. Sorry. uh, Dave, I think you had a point. My point was that it's an interesting comparison, is the Villa game, in the sense that you've got a team who took the money. I mean, it was Mm. was not necessarily a gentleman's agreement, but rather a contractual (laughs) agreement. Uh, That was the reason that they did take the money, but they did take the money and they reinvested it into the squad. Time will tell whether that's a good investment. Beating Man United isn't a big deal anymore. (laughs) So we'll we'll see how they go. They are my second team for this weekend and they and they did me proud. Hmm. And then and then the comparison obviously you guys who stuck your heels in and arguably stood still and and everybody knows that when you stand still in the Premier League you, you go backwards. So it's an interesting one almost like a here's what you could have won kind of situation. Players, manager, the boards, I'm going for all of them today. <laughs> the knives are out. <laughs> uh Dave, famously you predicted that we were gonna throw two or three in against Arsenal this week and you, you got it horribly wrong, I'm I'm sorry to say. What's your prediction for the Villa game? How do you see that one unfolding well firstly on my inaccurate prediction (laughs) um obviously with my it's not a spurs hat but i'm on a spurs podcast hat on Mm -hmm. 
I mentioned that Spurs were maybe playing Arsenal at the right time. We probably didn't consider that it was potentially Arsenal that were playing Spurs at the right time based mm. on the results that they'd got. I think Villa will be a really tough one. I think you're you're right. It's an opportunity on, is it Thursday when you play in the Conference League? Against whoever you're playing. Murrah, I don't know anything about them. Who does? Um, but, you know, that's an opportunity for you to have a bit of a an etch-a-sketch and try and start again and see what you can do. And then and then you've got until Sunday to think about how you're going to do it against Villa. I mean, I think that, you might hate me for saying it, but I think that's probably a, it's an upper mid-table clash. It could go either way. We may well be lower mid-table when that game is out but let's let's try I'm thinking I'm, I'm playing the tape forward to the, to the yeah. closing you're, stage of the season you're not going to be bold enough to make a a definitive prediction this week I take it 3-1 Villa <sighs> here he is okay that's, that's <laughs> what we all expected well look we could sit here and pick this apart all day and we've already talked at length about it and, and look I hate to say it but there may well be other opportunities going forward for us to talk about what's wrong with our team let's hope not but we should probably draw a line under it for now and um I want to talk about FPL because that's a lot more fun than real football at the moment. For the second week running, Joe Brooker is in the lead and it pains me to say it because I was off to such a strong start. I feel like I'm the Spurs of this league. Flew ahead and then it's all started to go wrong. Joe, sum up your FPL week. Uh, yeah, that was um, yeah very pleasant surprise because I've put my wild card off again this week and continued to rely on Danny Ings and a bit of a makeshift defence. But uh, yeah, Mo Salah's got me the points again. I don't really know how I'm doing it right now. I feel like everyone else has got I, I don't I, know everyone either. else has got Ronaldo in their team and just seems to have <laughs> put together really good sides. And I'm scraping by, but yeah, it just keeps coming together for me at the moment. Very good. Someone who does have Ronaldo in his team, but somehow didn't captain him in a bit of a rogue choice that paid off here. Pricey. Mikel Antonio against... Uh, you have to remind me who they were playing. You don't uh, need to remind me. <laughs> I, do you know what? I was going into the 90th minute again. Unless Antonio gets a 90th minute winner. And he did. Yeah, um, which did. Uh, was good for my cats and choices. We'll trust the process for now. But if you want to join our FPL league, of course, the code is JB3PSV. That's jb 3 PSV. So please feel free to join. It's public league. And I'd love for someone to come in and take Joe off top spot. So uh, please join that. As before, if you'd like to send us any comments, if you have any thoughts, anything we've discussed today, if you have any suggestions for how Spurs get themselves out of this mess or just any questions for us to discuss next week, we can be reached on social media at Plus Dave Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can email us at plusdavepodcast at gmail.com. Right. As I mentioned earlier, we are skipping over our usual feature discussion because as predicted, that discussion took a lot longer than we were hoping it would. But we are going to move on to Challenge Elio now. And uh, this week we don't have socks. So um, Elio, are you feeling a little bit more confident now that you've lost potentially your biggest threat? I did well enough last week. The question I got beaten on was a question where everyone had a lot of um, clues and a lot of time to get it right. <laughs> oh, you, you agreed with the refereeing decisions, were you? It was uh, it was terrible. We'll see how it goes this week, and I'll do my very best to be as fair as I, as I can. For anyone who's new to the podcast or new to Challenge Elio, this is the portion of the show every week that we like to finish on where we put Elio to the test and give him some Spurs trivia questions. And if he doesn't know them by some miracle, we put it out to the rest of the team and see if they can clean up the points. He's been doing rather well so far, but as always, there's a chance for the rest of the team to sweep up. Moving on to question one. And this one is a... Tottenham Hotspur disappointing defeat category, which I'm sure is very appropriate this week. I thought I'd start with a, a pretty depressing one and then move on to some slightly better ones. So the first question, Tottenham Hotspur's record Premier League defeat is a three-way tie. 
between three results, one of them in 1996, one of them in 1993, and the other one in 2013. Can you name those three opponents? What was the year again? 96, 93, and 2013. 96, 93, and 2013. For the 96 one, this is really hard, actually. For the 96 one, I'm going to go for... No, I don't think it is them. I'm going to have to put it out to the others in a minute. All right, the 2013, I'm fairly confident, was Manchester City. It was, correct. Manchester City, for one point. Can you tell me the scoreline of that game? 6-0. 6-0. I'm sure we've lost 7-1 to Newcastle at some stage. So are that they is one of the correct. 7-1 I was at Newcastle. White Hart Lane in the north stand, I believe, watching it on the old south stand screen being projected <laughs> on the other side. I think there might have been either a Shearer hat-trick or a Les Ferdinand hat-trick in that game as well. Probably a safe bet. We need one more. 1993, this one. 1993, so it was early on in the Premier League. Mm, that's a good hint, actually. Can you give me a clue for that? I could, but I don't think you need clues. I think instead I'm going to fire it across to the others. 1993 is before my Spurs <laughs> supporting memory well, really the, goes the other back. Two, the other two surviving. No, I'll, I'll, let me have a stab at it okay, first. Okay. I'm going to go for Liverpool. Incorrect. Okay. So, Joe and Dave, over to you. We've lost Pricey, by the way. If anyone missed that, we've, we've lost Pricey. He uh, seems to have done. I think he's had enough. I think he's quit the podcast. He didn't take the defeat very well today. No, no, he, he mm. did not. Um, so, this is 93. So, I bet it's I bet it's someone really random, like Coventry or Sheffield Wednesday or something. I bet it's not an obvious big need team. A... Yeah, one of the teams you forget were actually in the Premier League. Swindon Town. No. Back to you, Elio. <laughs> I'm going to throw out a clue generally. They are a team that since went out of the Premier League and then got back in. I saw a tweet earlier today which was like, can you believe that we could actually see Coventry City in the Premier League? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I have. I can. <laughs> I don't think it was Leeds. It obviously wasn't United. A team that has left the Premier League and come back in. Are they a current Premier League team then? No. Okay. But they were relatively recently. Can we just shout names out? You can just—I sh- think—I think it's open to the floor now. I think you can yeah. go just shout. I want two points for the two I got right, though. You do. You get those. You earned those. Yep. They were in the Premier League at the beginning of the Premier League. Since got relegated for a long time, came back in quite recently. Nottingham Forest. No, no that's Villa? not recent. I mean, it's not us because ninety-two, nope. ninety-three. Not I don't think we beat anyone. Nope, it's not these. I'm gonna have to rush you guys, or I'm gonna I'm gonna move it Villa. on. Sheffield United. It is oh, Sheffield United. Very good. Sheffield oh, United. Well, well played, Elliot. 6-0. That, that was pure process of elimination of teams yeah. that have been back in the league recently and were Sheffield in the United. Premier League. Ah, These are 6-0 in 1993. A game I can say, fortunately, I don't remember. I, have no I memory do not of. remember that. And I didn't know it happened until I did my research. The others yeah. I remember, like I said, Jerry France's first game, the 3-4. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is it could have been worse today. Because certainly at one point <laughs> I was starting to think this could be five or six. Yeah. I think we all were. Uh, moving on to the next question. So uh, this one is a slightly longer-winded one, a bit more like the one we had last week. So on the subject of Tottenham Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium, the last time Spurs beat Arsenal away in the Premier League uh, was in 2010. Can you name, for a whole load of points here, our lineup that day and the scorers? And preferably the score as well. I'll go with the scorers first. The scorers were Bale to bring one back. Correct. Um, Then Van der Vaart from the spot. 
Very good. And then Cabal with that header late on that back header into the far post. I'll it never was. forget that. That was William Gallas' single best game for us as well. He was phenomenal that well, game. There's another um, one for you. There you go. William so Gallas. Gallas was in the side. Van der Bart was obviously in the side. Bale was in the side. No mistakes this time, Elio. We won't give you any second chances. Who have I got so far? Van der Vaart, Gallas, Bale. Cabal. Yeah, so that's four. Which goalie was it? Was it Cudicini or Gomez? Joe, Dave, how do you think you're doing on this? I'm struggling. I'll come back to that. I'm going to go with Okoto at left back. Correct. Cabal would have been playing centre-back, I think, at that point. I'm going to go with Jermaine Genus in the team. I know he Correct. played. I don't know if he was... Oh, he, he... he did. He did How play. many have I got so far? You have got one, two, three, four, five, six so far. Did you say the keeper? No, not yet, because I'm torn between <laughs> Cudicini and Gomez, so I'm going to come back to that. <laughs> okay. um, Modric? Correct. Okay, seven. It's happening again, guys. I need to pick harder questions. Who would have been in midfield? Bale, Genus, Modric. Now I'm torn between a few midfielders. I'm torn between Lennon. I'm torn between um, Huddleston. Torn between Palacios, potentially, as well. I think he might have been subs off as well. So Ah, Defoe played that game. He didn't start. Really? It's wrong. <sighs> Defoe is wrong and it goes back over. He was involved with the bail goal. Yep. So I've got seven. Yeah, he headed it on to Van der Vaar who put through bail. So guys, we need we need a goalkeeper, we need a right back, we need a right wing and we need a striker. And also the two Arsenal scorers. Right, sorry, right back, right wing and a striker. Goalkeeper and two Arsenal scorers. Come on, guys. Come on, Dave. You should have been studying up on your Spurs history while not watching our game. (laughs) (laughs) While driving. (laughs) While driving, yeah. (laughs) Listening to other podcasts about the history of Tottenham Hotspur. Did Elio say Aaron Lennon? He did not. Is that an answer? Yeah, if there's right wing. That is correct. Aaron Lennon. I said I was torn between him and a few others. We need a striker, a right back, and a goalkeeper. If you want to have a stab at the Arsenal goal scorers as well, you can trying to think this would be sort of it's 2010 yeah this is where like Bentner was becoming the main man <laughs> I said goal scorers <laughs> goalkeeper do we just take a gamble Dave on Kudicini or Gomez I really can't think who was starting the big games in 2010 Dave what does Wikipedia say Wikipedia says that USA are going to win the Ryder Cup oh god we've really bored him now this is bad <laughs> come on guys let's speed this go, go with Kudicini it's wrong boo Elio, who was our goalkeeper? Keeper was Gomez in that case. It was Gomez. If Defoe didn't start up front, I'm going to say Peter Crouch did. Wrong again. Back yes. over. Who was it in 2008? It was Pavlyuchenko, wasn't it, from the last week? No, this was 2011. Well, the question is, is he still there? 2010. 2010-11 season, I believe. Pavlyuchenko was still there. Is that your answer? Yeah, buddy. Pavlyuchenko is correct. Well done. You need a right back. And that's it. And the two scorers from Arsenal. I can remember the scorers from Arsenal. Hutton, was Hutton still there? Uh, was Hutton still there? Is that your answer? I'm asking if you got, if Joe, if Hutton was still there. <laughs> he was still at the club. Well, he's a right back, so. Was Choluca then? Who are you going for, Hutton or Choluca? Bearing in mind that if you get the wrong one, Elio will take the other Let's one. Let's go Choluca. Choluca's wrong. Oh. Elio? It was Hutton and the goal scorers, yep. and I actually watched this game uh, earlier on, which probably says bad <laughs> things about me on the lineup. But uh, the goal scorers were Nazri and Maran Chamak. Very good, very good. They were indeed. Remembers the Arsenal scorers. Interesting. I think he'll remember this game for a long time today. So uh, yeah, fair enough. Right, the next round is called "Who Am I?" I'm going to be describing 
a certain Spurs player of years gone by. I've written down six points about this player. There's two actually, so we've got a little more. And I want you to take it in turns to give me a number on one to six and I'll read out the facts and we can try and guess who I'm talking about. So seeing as Elio got the last question right, I'm going to move over to you guys and give you guys the head start on this one. So give me a number between one and six. That's- and I will, Elio's taking issues with the refereeing decisions again. You think you're on a roll, so I should let you go. It's called Challenge Elio. <laughs> well, this makes it more challenging, though. All right, guys, so give me a number one, one to six. And in fact, I think we're just going to go back and forth, so just shout out names. Three. Three. I played for three Premier League clubs. Any stab? <laughs> you should probably be taking notes, by the Defoe. way. <laughs> no. Elio, give me a number between, between one and six. Not uh, three. Six. Six. I scored 46 Premier League goals for Spurs. Any guess? Premier League goals for Spurs. Um, a bit of a clue as to the range, I guess. Chris Armstrong. No. Back to you guys. Number between one and six. We've had three. On, we've had three and Yellow six. number. Two. Number two. I played 78 games for my country. Are we getting any closer? Stephanie Everson. Nope. Okay, guys. Do you want one, four, or five? One. We're going for one. I played 102 games for Spurs. Should give you an idea of the goals per game ratio if you can do some quick maths. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, that's a very good. Might ratio. narrow it down a bit. Three Premier League clubs, though. Adebayor. Wait, don't they get a? Are we just shouting out answers? Is, it, is this just? <laughs> has this just devolved into anarchy? <laughs> okay, so I have. Yeah, that works for me. <laughs> All right. Okay. No, it's not Adebayor. It's not Adebayor. You've got four and five left, Elio. Which one are you taking? Five. Okay. This is a quote from the player describing himself. I'm a relaxed guy. I play that way, and I can't change my style. Oh, it's going to be um, Berbatov. Berbatov. It is Berbatov. Very well Berbatov done. Berbatov did Very not good. score 46 league goals for Spurs. I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> he only played for us two seasons for a start. There's no, he didn't get over 20 in either of them. Berbatov scored at most 28 league goals for us. Elio, face it, we've beaten you. Okay, you can't argue. You know what? I will concede that maybe I was looking at total goals for Spurs and not Premier League goals for Spurs. <laughs> In which case, you have every right to feel aggrieved. The refereeing decisions, the VAR has gone really badly for you, hasn't it? Elio? I want that to be... Maybe we need, that is maybe null we need and a void. new host for Challenge Elio. <laughs> it's, gone, it's gone to Stockley Park, and I'm afraid they're letting it stand. Yeah, uh, sounds right. about right. You, I mean, what, the, other... the first fact you gave was completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. We're going to move swiftly on. The, the, if anyone's interested, the fourth fact, in inverted commas, which is probably wrong. I had a bad hair um, transplant. He learned, English. he learned English from watching the Godfather movies, which I thought was quite cool for Berbatov. He did play 78 games for Bulgaria, so that's accurate. Oh, well, I'm glad they weren't all wrong. <laughs> that's great to hear. Well, uh, moving on to the next player, and, and we have the added minefield of not knowing whether my stats are accurate, so it just makes it that little bit more challenging. Elio, I'm going to give you the first shot because I feel bad for you now, and you can have, a, again, a choice from one to six. Two. Two. I played 53 games for my country. <laughs> if you get this off the basis of that, you're going to ruin the game, but you can have a guess. Teddy Sheringham? No, not Teddy Sheringham. Guys, on, number. Six. Number six. My last goal for Spurs was against Oxford United. I know who it is. Oh, God. You can shout it out. Glenn Hoddle. That's ridiculous. That's outrageous. That is correct. It is Glenn Hoddle. <laughs> that's, that's disgusting. How did he only get 53 caps? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the that's travesty. for another time, absolutely. So the other caps were, I won two FA Cups with Spurs. Uh, I played for two London clubs. Scored 110 goals for Spurs, which is probably wrong, knowing my history. And the other one was a quote. 
He was a player that hasn't had to use his legs even when he was 19 because his first two yards were always in his head. Lovely quote, Glenn Hoddle there. Brilliant. Well done, Elio. Did Sorry you say that about himself? Slightly... <laughs> no, 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 he didn't. No, no. Although uh, I'm sure he agreed. No, that was, I probably should have got the source of that quote. I might have made it up for all we know. But no, that was a quote about Glenn Hoddle, which I'm sure few would argue with. Brilliant. Well, well done, guys. Uh, pretty good challenge earlier today. Sorry about some of the prep work that went in, but as I'm sure you can imagine, I was, I was slightly stressed in the process of planning that one. Thanks. They work for us, so it's all good. They did. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes they go against you. Sometimes they go for you. It just it evens out over a season. What's the total score? I, I have absolutely no idea. I don't even know how many goals Dimitar Berbatov scored. So <laughs> you know, how do I know? I, I'll have to go back at some point and add them up and probably sooner rather than later because we're racking up the episodes now i think you're winning though i mean i am I winning you're... i just want to know how by how much <laughs> oh see this is the kind of winning mentality and spirit we need in the spurs team isn't it you know elio in elio for spurs elio in elio in hashtag elio in if you agree if you think Elio should be our manager, please let us know at Plus Day Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Please email us at plusdaypodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions for Challenge Elio next week, please send them in and please make sure that they are correct. But of course, if you have any general points, any questions, anything that you'd like us to discuss, anything you want to get off your chest, any thoughts on this game, any thoughts on the next game, please let us know. And join us next week when we'll be discussing the Villa game. Hopefully, we will finally reach a point where the Plus Day Podcast is no longer a curse on Spurs. But we will also, of course, be having a look forward to games coming up and discussing whatever state our club appears to be in this time next week so thank you all for listening if you're indeed still here please join us next week you stay classy Spurs fans and we'll see you again next time Here's Deli Alley. Here's Lucas Moore.